Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 303 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and I have a treat for you today as we are talking to Josephine Smith, who um, I met through my community, and I have just watched her soar. So that is going to be a fantastic talk. I loved talking to her. That is coming up. What is going on around here? Well, what is going on around here is I think I'll give you the, the quickest update of all, and then I'm going to pack a bonus mini episode inside this episode. I'm going to answer some questions that I got from Maggie, who is a patron at the $5 a month level or up where you can ask me any question you have about writing anything, anything, just come join. You could come join, ask me a question, get me to answer and then unjoin. I wouldn't mind absolutely use me for that. So I want to pack that in here because otherwise I feel like I've been really busy lately and I don't want to miss doing that for Maggie. So um, what has been going on around here? Uh, I have just been having a really good time writing the Seven Miracles book. I am about 44,000 words into it and it's a first draft that is just going along probably better than any other book I've ever written because I'm trying this new thing where every day I look at my outline of what I've written and I give my brain some time to think about it. I've always, well, ever since I've worked with Becca Syme, I know that my brain needs some time to think. Uh, It's that number two intellection of mine. It needs to put the information in and let it process. So I've always done that around the scenes that I'm looking at, but right now I'm doing it in a bigger holistic way. I am still doing it the exact same way I always do, which is to start from the beginning and right to the end until the book is done. Of course, you could skip around in any order. Sometimes I might move forward, but I will never go back and edit. That is editing is for later. Uh, in a first draft, I keep it strictly first draft hat on. Otherwise, as soon as I start editing, I I, uh, I get really tight and it, the creativity and the in- intuitive side goes away. So I'm doing it that way, but I'm also keeping an eye on a a macro level on all the scenes that I have written just by looking at the outline. It's really working well. And every day I come up with new exciting ideas and I just keep writing and it's stays fun. So it is working. That is, that's the only update I have for you right now. It's just been great. So let's just get into the um, bonus mini episode questions. Again, these are from Maggie. Thank you, Maggie. And she says, quick round of indie publishing questions for you. I've done research and read some books, but what are your favorite tricks for finding the best keywords? So speaking um, specifically about Amazon, because it's the number one seller, Jeff Bezos is the devil, but we're still going to talk about it on uh on all platforms, you can enter your keywords, but on Amazon, they allow you seven and a keyword doesn't have to, it, it's not just a word, a keyword can be a string of words. And there are different ways of finding strings. Um, it is always worth thinking about and refreshing. I have a friend who just refreshed only her keywords on a book that had been out for a couple of years. And it jumped from 200,000 in the store to something like 30 or 40,000 in the store overnight because she changed the keywords for keywords that were 
better than the ones she chose back then. So one way that I like to do it by hand is I will actually go to the Kindle store on Amazon and type in the first word of whatever your trope might be, whatever people might be searching for. So um, if you've got a firefighter romance, you would type in firefighter, which I just did. So then it gives me keyword phrases. It'll autofill them below. This is what people are looking for. They're looking for firefighter romance. They're looking for firefighters, free books. They're looking for firefighter, free books. They're looking for firefighter romance novels. They're looking for firefighter insta love. There's an interesting one. Um, When I click on firefighter insta love, there's only 418 results for firefighter insta love, but people are looking for it. Um, So I might actually go into some of my firefighter romance. I've just decided this right now and update that and see what happens. Um, But that's doing it by hand. And I honestly really love a couple of the paid services uh, that help you with this. I think that Kindle Trends is fantastic, uh, really useful. Go to Kindle Trends and look, they have a couple free tools that you don't even have to sign up for, but you can look at um, categories where your book could be placed, not necessarily keywords, but categories. Um, And then I also really love Publisher Publisher Rocket. Publisher Rocket. Yeah, that's what it's called now. It's a beast of an app. It does so much heavy lifting. Do look at the videos if it um, is a little bit overwhelming for you, but uh, that's where you're going to find really detailed information on how many searches there are for firefighter insta love per month. And how much does the person who is number one in that particular for that keyword or category, how much are they making? Uh, is there enough searches? Are there only seven searches a month on Amazon for whatever you might put in on a keyword string? That's probably not enough. You want a high amount with fewer books in the category. Uh, so publisher rocket can really, really help you with that. It is, I can't remember how expensive it is, but it is, it is worth it. I will just say it is worth it. I should get an affiliate link for that. If they have one, I'm going to look into that. Uh, okay. Next question with a debut in the novel. So exciting. What are your thoughts on KU versus wide? If it's going to be a while before you publish book two. So KU for people new to this whole game, KU is Kindle unlimited. Uh, your book can come out on Kindle, which is the E version. And it can also, if you choose it to, it can come out in Kindle Unlimited, which means you are giving exclusivity to Amazon. You can't sell the book anywhere else in e-version. You can't sell it on any other site. You can't sell it on your own site. It must stay in Amazon only. Um, you can do a print book. You can circulate those anywhere you want, but the ebook has to be Amazon only. Uh, if someone is a member of Kindle Unlimited. They are a member of the subscription service that for $9.99 a month, they can read all of the KU books for free. And writers get paid by a fraction of a cent per page. That money does add up. They have a, uh, a fund that they arbitrarily at whim change and divide among the people who are in KU. So I always, um, I don't like that. I don't like a lot about the KU system. Um, <laughs> but it is what it is, you know, because they divide it up because this piece is, you know, they're dividing a piece of a pie there. It is a zero sum game. If somebody gets more, somebody else gets less. That said, people make money in it and it is an automatic way um, to be seen. Amazon is always going to prioritize 
the KU books. If you search for firefighter insta love, I have already closed the window, but I'm, I'm going to guarantee you that the first five or six hits are KU books. Why? Because Amazon wants you to stay inside the ecosystem and read those books. So therefore you've got some searchability, you've got some findability in there. And while you are getting ready to produce say book two in a series or book three in a series, um, I think being in KU can be really useful. You just have to remember to have a way of keeping those readers who find you in KU because it feels free to them, right? They've already paid their $9.99. They can read as many books as they want, um, but capture them. Make sure that you offer them something to get them on your mailing list. Don't, don't miss that opportunity so that when book two comes out, you can send them a note saying that it's out. You can always move your book out of KU. When you put it into KU, I think it's in there for 90 days if it's still the same system as it has been, um, but you can always move it out. You can then go wide and go on all the platforms and then you could decide, oh, I don't like that and go back into KU. You get to make all those decisions and you get to do all of that playing around. But yes, I think KU is a great place for an early book in a series. And that galls me to, to <laughs> I just think that, Amazon and Facebook should just go sit in a room and talk to each other and leave the rest of us out of it for the rest of our lives. However, they also pay my bills. So thank you, Amazon, for that. Uh, and then, uh, oh, and then a secondary question to that, does genre affect this decision in your opinion? Yes. Um, if you're writing literary fiction, I wouldn't put it in KU. If you are writing, but if you are writing regular genre commercial fiction, KU is a great place for it to be, especially for things like romance, chiclet, um, uh, uh, science fiction, science fantasy, mystery, thriller, maybe. Um, but yes, yes. And Maggie, I know that your books will fit there perfectly. And the last question from Maggie is for, for epigraphs, do the same copyright rules apply to quotes for quotes and song lyrics as they do in the novel itself? Thank you. Um, yes. So an epigraph is that quote that you may or may not choose to put at the front of your book. You could have one of them. You could have a couple. You could have as many as you want, really. Uh, but fair use copyright rules generally say there's no there's no hard and fast like law, but fair use rules generally say that you shouldn't use more than two lines of a poem, of a song, without writing to the entity who holds copyright on that song or poem, even if the poet is long, long dead, the, that poem may still be under copyright. Um, various things will actually sometimes extend it past the 70 years after death in the United States. So do check on that. Uh, but yes, if you're going to keep it to two lines or less or two lines or fewer, then you are probably in a good position. Again, that's no guarantee. It's only fair use after all, but you can feel pretty safe using two lines. Please, I am not a lawyer. Don't come after me if the Rolling Stones <laughs> threaten to sue uh, because you use two lines, but they, but they honestly probably won't. That's just considered fair use. So yes, fantastic questions, Maggie. Thank you for asking them. Thank you for letting me fit this tiny little bonus info in before this awesome interview with Josephine Smith. Let me give you her bio. Josephine Smith is a cozy mystery author with a love of hot cups of tea, tricky puzzles, and spending Sunday afternoons with a good book. She lives in Northern California with her husband, dog, and cat, and they all get along most of the time. 
The Hemlock Inn Mysteries is her current series featuring a charming inn, two senior citizen sidekicks, and an adorable beagle named Lola. Y'all, right? Like it's, it's, it's pretty rainy outside today. I just want to abandon everything else I have to do for the rest of the day and live in this world and pick up a Hemlock Inn book and sit on the couch with a cup of tea and watch the rain fall. So, um, Let's get into the interview with Josephine. You are going to love hearing how she has created indie success for herself. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. All right, everybody enjoy. And I wish you all very, very happy writing. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Hey, would you like to come write with me, with my writing community? At Rachel Says Write, we write together twice a week, every Monday and Wednesday from 5 to 7 Pacific Time, 8 to 10 Eastern Time. We say hi and chat the tiniest little bit, and then together we write. It's truly magical the amount of words we get done together. You want to check it out with a week's free trial to see how it might work for you? Just go to rachelheron.com, Rachel Says Write, to join us. Well, I can be more pleased to welcome to the show, Josephine. Hello. Hi, I'm very happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you. Will you please um, pronounce your name for us and give us your pronouns? Yes, it's Josephine Smith, um, and my pronouns are she, her. Thank you very much. Okay, so you and I go back through my Slack channel, the Onward Writer Slack channel. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you come to the podcast? Just randomly finding it? Yeah. So I, I think in like 2018, 2019 started to get sort of more serious about writing. I'd always sort of done it in the past. Um, but at some point it was just kind of like, I think I want to try to do this and was looking into different like publishing options. found like traditional publishing initially, and then at some point discovered self-publishing. And so, um, your podcast was one that kind of like appeared just sort of out of the air along with like a couple of other ones. Um, and, you know, knowing that you had a Slack group, I was like, yes, definitely. I'm going to get into this as well. Um, so I think it just sort of fell into my lap, but honestly has been like such a, a treasure and such a like inspiration over the past few years as I've like gotten more serious about writing and it's been a great kind of place to go to, to get inspired. So, um, thank you so much for putting it on every week. I love, I love that, that you say that, but, um, honestly, the reason I have you on the show is because you are inspiring to me. You jumped into a 90 days to done challenge on your own and like mailed it. Um, <laughs> and you were inspiring other, everybody else in there. I think that's why we maybe even started that 90 days, um, channel in there was maybe because of you and, uh, and you posted something in there and I'm going to read it out loud if you don't mind. And I just freaked out. I was so excited. So, uh, this was probably, when did you, when did you put this? Um, oh, this was the end of December, uh, end of November because you, yeah. so, uh, just about as we we're recording about three or four months ago, four months ago three months ago. Uh, This is what you put. I just finished my final copy edit and read through of the fourth book in my cozy mystery series and have sent it off to my proofreader. I'm aiming for publication at the end of December and feel confident that I can hit that goal. When I made a plan earlier this year, probably over the summer to work on my developmental editors edits during November on book four, while also doing NaNoWriMo, I was pretty nervous. I wouldn't be able to do both. And there were many moments in the past month where I didn't think I'd make it, but I'm on track to finish Nano by the 30th. And I sent book four to my proofreader a day earlier than I told her. And I'm feeling pretty proud of myself. I've got a day job. And so managing all these books alongside the job has been a challenge, but becoming a full-time
awesome author is my main goal. So I've been working hard to edit, write, and publish these books. And if book four does come out by the end of December, it'll be my fourth published book this year. So you posted this and there's a certain like mental and sometimes physical dance that I do, which is like me basically like lying down on my office floor and just doing this like happy flail thing that basically happened when you did that. And I was, and I was so excited for you. And also other people in the Slack were like, okay, how, how did you do that? So first question, and I don't, I don't know the answer to this because I forgot to look it up. Did book four come out by the end of December? It did. And it came out like two weeks early too. What? <laughs> so like hearing that, hearing that spoken back to me, I was like, oh wait, yeah, I got it out like faster than I expected to. <laughs> you did it. And your covers are gorgeous. You, <laughs> your covers are amazing. So I kind of want to talk to you about, we're going to, we're going to ask the normal questions that you're used to hearing, but, but first of all, like this dream of supporting yourself with the writing is something that you have just attacked and, and, and taken as your own and you're making it happen. How, how do you feel about that? Amazing. And like, it's like a dream that I've had since I was a child, but I didn't know that I had since I was a child because I've always been a reader. I've always loved books. And I think I just, you know, it was not something that seemed like possible because, you know, how do books get made? I have no idea. And then eventually I sort of learned about like traditional publishing, which like makes sense in some cases, but it still seems sort of like, you know, it would, would take time. There's hurdles, there's these things to go through. And so just the ability to, you know, yeah, put these books up on, on the internet and have people read them, have people like email me and tell me how much they love them it it is surreal it's fantastic it's just like I want to do this for the rest of my life and I want to do yes. whatever I can to like continue it for as long as I can um it's just it's so surreal like it just doesn't I'm like trying not to like I, I don't want to get too much in my head in general. I don't want to get too much in my head about it because I don't want to like take myself out of it. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to each day put my head down and focus yeah. on what I'm doing and not get too caught up in like what is happening because it just it's so rewarding. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's yes. very surreal. It's very and, and I'm going to say that, um, I really want to celebrate it with you right now. So you get to be in your head about it for a little bit. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's hard to celebrate this with other people in your life who aren't writers. Cause they just don't get it. They're like, yeah, you, I can't, I don't know how you're doing it, but that's great. But writers get it. So I just want to say congratulations and you've done it all the right way. You know, and I've been I've been watching you do this. You're doing it all the right way. You you're not writing a crappy book, self, you know, creating a cover on your own, throwing it up on the internet, and then ranting and raving when the one review you get is bad <laughs> because it was never edited. You you went out and you learned the rules. I mean rules with uh, quotation marks around them, but but some of the rules include writing a damn good book and then getting a damn good editor and then doing the edits, being edited, accepting that, doing the copy edits, doing the proof, um, all of that work while working a day job. So can we please talk about how you get this done? What is your writing process? What does it look like right now? Yeah. So um, I get most of my writing done on weekends. I kind of started 
getting serious about publishing during COVID, like April, 2020 yeah. was when I started writing the first book. And I found that just like weekends, we weren't doing anything else. I don't have kids, like I'm married, but you know, we just, you were we not, you, you we were, were not baking bread. You were writing yeah. books. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My husband did that. And I was like, eh, I don't really feel like baking. Um, and so my weekends have really just become like my time for this writing. And it's now sort of gotten to the point where I'm like, you know, two or three hours on Saturdays and Sundays, I'll just like focus on the books and focus on whatever I need yeah. to do during that time. Um, I think the thing that's really helped me is having like a plan of what I want to accomplish. So starting out, I like didn't know how long it would take to do a first draft. Didn't really know the editing process, especially was like such a, so challenging and so much, so much work. Um, but over time I've been able to sort of like guesstimate for myself, like it'll take about this much time. I'll give myself some breathing room. Um, and then basically like planning out, like, what does that look like for a book? Like months into the future, when do I expect to be done with this? And so then thinking about each day, what little bit do I need to do each of those days to get like closer to that finish point. And a lot of times the weekends will have more work than weekdays. Cause like with the day job, it's just, I can't guarantee at all that I'm going to be able to do any work either before or after. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'll have a plan, like at any given moment in time, I'm either writing a first draft or doing edits, looking at my editor's edits. And I've just gotten very specific on like, these are the things that I need to do. And these are the only things, like the most important things and the only things I really have to do. Mm. With like self-publishing, obviously there's a lot of other stuff that goes into it that I've had to kind of fit in around mm -hmm. all of that and figuring out like how to balance that and still make sure that I'm doing the writing. Like, but I always, I always view the writing as like, this is the thing that I've committed to. So as long as I get that done, I'm like in a good place. Um, but it's really been weekends and just like devoting that sort of early morning time to like focusing on the books and then, you know, whatever else kind of comes of that is just like extra. So even if you're, uh, even if you're just getting the weekend time, you're looking at around, you know, five to six hours in a week, we can write whole books in five to six hours a week. And, and, and that comes as a surprise to a lot of people who are like, well, I must be doing it for four hours a day every day. No, absolutely not. Yeah. You have to have a, you have to have a life to be a writer. Um, so you, but you do sound very detail oriented. It sounds like you're able to manage a project. Also, it seems like you have the secret sauce because, um, the knowledge that the work has to get done and not mm -hmm. all the other stuff, because it is so easy to go down the rabbit holes forever of, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. what does it look like if I'm going to get an editor? What, do, what do I look like? You know, what do, what do I think about book covers when the book isn't even done yet? Yeah. So congratulations to you for, you. <laughs> for grabbing that. What is your, what does your husband think about like this, this, the, you bursting out of this chrysalis that he was not even aware you were in? He's been so supportive. Um, he, so we actually got, we got married in 2019, late 2019. And I've been very like, busy. Sort of awesome. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> the last few years it has been a whirlwind. Um, but we, I'd been kind of talking about like writing and wanting it to like be something that, that I was doing. Um, and I don't, he'll be fine with me sharing sort of the like, personal thing between the two of us, but in his vows, he called out the fact that I was like doing such a good job with the writing and had like really, even if we, if we weren't like talking about it, cause he's not necessarily a writer. He's still, the fact that he noticed it and like was inspired by it. Like that was really just like wonderful to hear along with all the other like great things he said in his vows. But he, yeah, I think it's just been so like inspired to see me kind of run with this and, and take it in the way that, you know, um, makes sense for me. And yeah, he's just been super supportive. That is lovely. And I would like to point out, um, for everyone listening, if your partner is not supportive, that is not a good sign. Partners, <laughs> partners do not have to read our work. Um, definitely is some partners do some partners don't. And that's definitely not part of vows in any way, shape or form, but they need to support, they have to support, 
Um, that's, that's gorgeous. Okay. So what is, um, the biggest challenge that you have when it comes to writing? Um, so I think it all kind of goes back to those initial issues I had when I was first starting out and not really being sure if I could do it and eventually sort of getting to the point of having to learn to trust myself and trust that I could make it through and get to a finished book. I find every single book I'm having to retrust myself and like re-remind myself that like I can do this. And I was um, talking to someone about, I think it was like maybe three or four weeks ago when I was working on edits to send it off to my editor. I was like editing the first draft. And so it was like just such a mess and I had so much to get through. And I just said, I don't know if I can do this. And I was talking to someone about it and saying that I like, you know, I kind of feel like this happens every single time that like these mid edits before I send it off are so hard. And they were like, yeah, it sounds like it is. You should like write that down somewhere and like remember it. that's a good idea so I have I like stumbled upon that note like recently um that I just like had written in a notebook so yes they are those like mid edits very hard so I think that's like I've been able to continually trust myself but I'm finding that it just keeps every single time it just keeps coming up and like maybe it'll just sort of continue that way for eternity but um yeah finding that trust and holding on to it is something that just yeah keeps coming up for me Oh, that's, that's such a, such a good thing to say my my friend Mona McDermott um always says oh I'm learning that again I'm, I'm constantly learning that I have the exact same problem that you do. Like, I just do not trust myself to write this particular book. And then I remind myself that it happens every single time that I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. And I always do. And it doesn't matter that we can't see how we will do it. Mm-hmm. It's just that what matters is believing that we can do it. And what's really hard is for a brand new writer who hasn't pulled it off yet. They don't believe it, um, but they can. What would you tell that writer? So I think... I would say just the same thing. Like, why not? Why can't you do it? You know, (laughs) that's what I had to tell myself when I first started doing it. Like, well, I'm particularly because it was the middle of the pandemic. Like I'm not doing anything else. Like why not just like try to do this thing and just see what happens. I definitely, for me, a lot of like perfectionism would come out and feeling like, you know, what I was doing was a waste of time that like, you know, I don't know what's going to come of it. Should I spend this time doing this? And I just had to remind myself, well, like, yeah, what else are you doing? It doesn't really matter. No one's going to see it. There was no like deadline that I was working towards, no like external pressure. So like, why not just see what happens? Um, so I think, uh, yeah, that's like something useful for hopefully someone else to, to hear and kind of take with them. And then I think also when you are new and really sort of struggling with that perfectionism and struggling with trying to get through that initial, um, that initial story, I think acknowledging that it has to leave your hands at some point, even if you're not necessarily going to like hire an editor to self-publish, at some point, there's only so much work you can do on it. And just like passing it off to someone that you trust, who can like look at it and at least give you a little space from it, I think is so important because I think we get so caught up in thinking like, I have to do everything with this. I have to make it absolutely perfect. And we just go back and forth and back and forth. But I think if you're like feeling kind of stuck in that initial place of like, I have something, I think it's there. I don't quite know. And I just keep going back and forth. Just like give it to a friend that you trust. Give like some of it, like the first chapter. I did that actually. The first book I sent it to like a, a close friend who was also a writer, just the first chapter. And she like gave me some good notes on it. Oh. And it just like opened something up for me. I was like, oh, okay. I can maybe actually do this by having like some external, just like insight and support on the work. So I think just like passing it off again to someone you trust, you want it to be like a good It has to be somebody you trust. Yeah. 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 But I think that um, was really helpful to me, just kind of like getting it out of my head and, and into someone else's hands. For a it kind bit. of makes it real in a way, because before that it has never been real and you've never written a book before. So that book has never been real to anyone else. Nowadays, are you releasing with pre-releases? Yes. Um, So you're actually like, like readers are waiting for 
your books now. <laughs> oh my God. I know. Yeah. I'll like see them like stack up. It's yeah. no pressure. <laughs> well, I do what I'll do. Is, and I don't, I don't know if this is something that readers like, but what I will do is like set it like a month out and then really like set it a month out from like the deadline I have in my head of when I'm mm-hmm. going to publish it. And then just like move it earlier, you know, when it's finally ready. Cause that gives me a little bit of wiggle time. If like something happens, I have at least some room to, to adjust if needed. I haven't had to do that yet, but it's been so amazing just to see like each book, like people want to read this. People are excited about it. Yeah. You're kind of blowing my mind too, because I have literally never thought of the fact that you could set a deadline, you could set it, you could set a release date, but then move it forward. If you were done in my head, that's like, so cast in stone. Well, you know, I'm just going to be waiting around for another two weeks, but you could just move it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love publishing. Okay. So what is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? Um, Definitely like hearing from readers how much they're enjoying my books. Um, what I was the first seven. email you got that was like that? Um, how did it feel? Oh gosh. I, so I think seeing, I think the first time was like a review on Amazon yes. where like, it was pretty clear. Cause like there were a couple where I was like, I think that's a family member, but or like a close friend. <laughs> uh, but there were a couple that were like, yeah, this is like an enjoyable cozy mystery. Just, yeah. It felt like amazing to know that a stranger had said that about my work. Um, and just knowing that, yeah. And I, I will kind of now like get, um, you know, emails from people who are excited about it. I stumbled onto a review on the like third book recently where someone was like, I'd love this, love these stories. I've already read the fourth one. Can't wait for the next one. And I just like, oh, that like lit me up for days. It was like, so amazing. So I love, I love like building those connections and I'm, I'm looking this year to try to really sort of build my readership in terms of making those connections and really like focusing on a newsletter and trying to make it something that is engaging and like, you know, really speaks directly to my readers and kind of trying to come up with like different ways to do that. Um, Cause it just, it, it brings me back to when I was a kid and loved yeah. reading books and just uh, throughout, you know, sort of all of my life and how much, yeah. you know, I really connected with authors. And so having that chance to like directly connect with people who are enjoying my stuff as well. Um, it's just been so fantastic. You are doing everything so beautifully. It's just, <laughs> it's a, such a joy to see. Okay. Can you share a craft tip with us of any sort? Yes. Um, so, I mean, I think there are just so many, it's funny. I was like trying to think of some before this and many of them are things that like you have said, or you, have and that's okay. <laughs> we have to say these so, things over and over again. Yes, that's true. I think that's also very true. Um, I mean, definitely like times writing. So just setting a timer for even yes. like 10 minutes and just like, I have to do that with edits a lot of the times, like if I'm like tired and I don't want to do an edit, just give me 10 minutes and I'll kind of see what I can get through. Um, so I think that just kind of lowers the pressure of having to do something. If you can just like break it up, it, it makes it a little bit easier. Um, and I think also, I mean, I don't know, it's, I'm definitely finding that my process is shifting with each book, not like drastically, but like little things are kind of moving around a little bit. And I'm having to like remind myself, like, you can get through it. It's okay. It's okay. So I think just if you're finding yourself kind of like questioning what you're doing, or you're not really sure how it's going or like where you're sort of going to get, just like trusting that you can get through it. It's not exact craft, but like, I don't know. I think that trust part is so important because like, we don't necessarily have like others to instill that trust in us or like raise our confidence confidence about how we can do it. And so just reminding yourself, like, this is something, you know, I'm going to put on my best effort and see what I can, you know, what I can get out of this. Um, I think it's just so important to just kind of keep in mind that like mindset kind of shift. Do you have any way of like capturing that mindset shift? And the reason I'm asking is because I particularly, I particularly use, um, journaling for that. I'm constantly talking to myself and journaling. Mm -hmm. I have my own morning pages, but then in each book I have a journal and I'm basically talking to myself about the book. Um, on a daily basis. Do you do anything like that or? 
So I do do like main daily pages. Um, so like usually in the mornings, um, and a lot of times stuff will come out of that. Yeah. I have, I don't do like journals that are specifically for the book, but I have, when I find myself like feeling stuck and feeling sort of like I need something extra, then I'll go to the page and sort of say like, what am I feeling right now? How's it going? And every single time I write down like what is going on on in my head and I'm like, Oh, I can get, I can get through this. I've done this. This is not a new thing. Like this is I've experienced this or like, I know how to get out of this. Um, so yeah, I think definitely think that the act of like taking it out of our heads and putting it down on paper can really help to just put that distance uh, between us and mm-hmm. yeah, help to remind ourselves that like, no, we can actually, we can do this. And you're having that conversation. Like you could have that with a friend at a cafe, or you could have the conversation right here, right now with your pencil mm-hmm. and your notebook. And it works well, it works a little bit differently, but it, it works. It just works. So Mm -hmm. gorgeous. I love that. Also regarding the timed writing. Um, I was just talking to somebody the other day who pointed out that when she sits down for 45 minutes and writes, you know, she can get X number of words, but if she sits down for three 15 minute sprints, so many more. Yeah. It's so interesting to constrain yourself that way. Yeah. I I remind myself (laughs) of that a lot. All right. What thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? Um, I mean, probably like project management skills and like organizational skills. That Is that what you do in your, in your day job? To some extent. So I am in like HR and just mm-hmm. manage different projects kind of in that yeah. particular field. Um, but I'm definitely a very organized person and like to have a process, like to have like steps to follow. So I think that it's interesting because like writing is such a creative thing. You would think that like process would just, you know, so like those two things don't go together. But I think for me and honestly for like other people as well, having like boundaries around sort of what you're doing and making clear, like it doesn't have to be this like, you know, 12 hour like writing fest because it's not it's impossible. You're not going to be able to yeah. do that. Um, and instead kind of figuring out like, okay, are there actually steps I can take each time to get me from beginning to end? And I'm just following those. And it just, I don't know, somehow the creativity still manages to come out, even when it's sort of like bound by these different like guardrails. Um, so I think, yeah, just being extremely organized has helped me to get these books written. Have you done the Clifton Strengths? I have. What are your top strengths? Do you remember? So I don't think, well, I think like intellection. Ah, that's, like yeah, that's my number two. Like yeah. Thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then all of the other ones are like, I don't know, like harmony and they're all very like people based, which sort of makes sense. Cause that's like what my job is too. Like, it's very like people focused, like wanting to like find sort of, um, you know, peace between people and different mm-hmm. things like that. So that's, I, so I took it, I think, um, like Becca sign has been all over all the podcasts for the last like three or four years. Yeah. And so I took it, um, like a year ago and I'm trying to figure out with the ones that are like not directly related to writing, I'm trying to figure out how they might manifest in my writing. I think it kind of plays more into the like storytelling that I'm doing and the types of like stories that I want to tell and how I want to like resolve things in certain ways. Um, but interestingly, I think like learner is the other one actually. Yeah. So like mm. intellectual learner that are sort of more like it kind of makes more sense for a writer to have those. Whereas yeah. like it's like harmony and you know, like peacekeeping or something. I don't know. But the other ones are like very community or yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Something like that. Yeah. But all of those do feed right into what you're doing with books. You are giving people a way yes. to connect mm-hmm. and and that is in there. Also, I think that the, um, doing Clifton strengths and doing all that is super useful for people who are having difficulty getting the work done, which is Mm -hmm. not you. (laughs) So I don't think you need to like perfect your game on Clifton strengths. You're doing 
freaking great. Um, will you please share with us what you just, I think you shared with me right before we started the show. Um, aren't you're about to release the fifth book. Is that right? Yeah. Well, so it's, <laughs> yes, I just sent it off to my editor for like development edit edits. So oh. we're still like a couple months off. I think I'm like aiming for April. So yeah, but know, the book is done rapidly and, approaching. It's, <laughs> and it's left your desk. It's gone into yeah. editing. Yeah. Do you, are these all the same series in the same series? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. how long do you want to make that series? Do you know yet? So I'm kind of planning the sixth book to be like sort of a soft wrap up. Um, I'm starting the first draft of the sixth one like this week. So that's also kind of on my play right now. Um, but it kind of, I like wrote the first three without really too much of a plan of like what the first three were going to be or how they're going to relate to each other. Yeah. And then for the last three, it was like, oh, I can kind of see like some storylines that it makes sense to like wrap things up a little bit. And I was like, six seems like a good number. Cause like, that's a lot for someone to go into and read. And I'm now wanting to start thinking about a different series, still cozy mm-hmm. mysteries still kind of in that same like genre, but likely a different location, different, you know, sleuth and all of that. Um, and I'm excited to kind of feel like I've learned a lot in, in this past, you know, year or two, or I think it's been it's a little blur. Um, and so there's a lot of things that I, you know, would tweak and do slightly differently with this new series. So I'm excited to kind of dive into that and, and see what happens there. And meantime, you may have to continue up until, you know, nine books with the, with the original know, series. Yeah. My, my friend, Juliet Blackwell, she has, um, a, a cozy, she, she, she does two cozy series. One is, um, paranormal haunted, like a clothing store in hate and mm. hate Ashbury in the city. And then this haunted home renovation set in Oakland across the Bay. <laughs> and she started doing the haunted home one because she thought the, the clothing one was dying and then it caught on. Mm. And so now she does like, I, I think she's up to at least 12 in the clothing and at least nine in the the haunted home because it just keeps going and going, but yeah, yeah. which is a really good problem to have if you're enjoying mm-hmm, it. So, mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Speaking of books, what is the best book that you've read recently and why did you love it? So I had to find it because I wanted to make sure I didn't forget the title. So this is called The Last Place You Look by Ooh. Kristen Lepionka. And it's about, um, like sort of a someone ends up in jail for a crime they maybe didn't commit it's not super clear and like 15 years later a PI gets involved to try to investigate like what happens um it's very sort of like you know gritty noir dark mystery um definitely a genre that I like a lot and I kind of find myself like those cozy mysteries are very different from that but yeah mysteries are like a thing that I love a lot too. And I see the kind of like darker mystery with like more kind of peace. I don't know. It's like more of a challenge. It feels like more of a challenge, but also feels like something that I might sort of want to move into um, as I keep going. And with this book, I finished it and then immediately ordered the like next three in the series. Oh, wow. Just like kept me like enraptured so much. And I think I like finished it in a day and yeah, I'm just very like, um, caught my attention and held on for a very long time. Oh, that is so cool. That is so cool. And I, I like it when I see authors doing that, like, you know, Laura Lippman does the, the mysteries, but then she'll every once in a while do the standalone mm. thriller, mm-hmm. which is, you know, grittier, darker and yeah, and, uh, yeah you just, you just get to have fun. So could you please um, tell us about, tell, why don't you tell us about the entrance to the series? What is it about? And also about the most recent book, if you don't mind. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, the Hemlock Inn mystery series, uh, auctions and good, alibis, such a good title. <laughs> um, auctions and alibis is the first book. Um, it stars Simone who is living in LA. She's a bartender. Uh, she gets fired for punching a customer, um, like defending his girlfriend that he's like being, you know, bad with. Love and her already. 
Yeah. <laughs> she, uh, you know, doesn't have a job. She thinks she's about to get evicted. She's just like, what am I doing with my life? And discovers that she has inherited an inn in Washington state. Um, her aunt has passed away and, you know, she has now to go up there and like deal with the inn. She doesn't think she can run a business because like, she's a bartender. She's just like, you know, kind of struggling with that. But also is like, what am I doing down here? You know, why not just go up there? Um, and then, you know, as happens in these books, there's a dead body. And so she's like wrapped up in figuring out what happened to the dead body. She, you know, wants to deal with this inn and kind of, you know, um, keep her aunt's memory living on as much as she can. Um, and, you know, obviously she uh, makes some friends and discovers some things about herself. And yeah, it was just so much fun to write and so much fun to kind of envision these, um, these characters. Um, and then the fourth book, which came out in December, I'm like thinking about the fifth one. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that yet because we haven't nailed <laughs> down the plot of that one just yet. Um, but the fourth one, um, she's still at the end. This one features a baking contest. So I had a lot of fun with this one oh, because I, I just that. like got to describe like pies. Like, <laughs> like a lot of the book is just talking about people eating pies. Um, so that was a lot of fun to do. And she, the, um, at the end, there's like a bistro attached to it and the chef gets kind of caught up in the murder mystery in that one. So she's trying to help him. And there's like these Hollywood types who have come in and like invaded her in. And so she's trying to like navigate that as well. And yeah, it's, uh, kind of like really fun sort of springtime covers. So I'm like in love with that cover and the pie scenes were a lot of fun to write. And what is that one called? That is Bakers and Bloodshed. You have good titles too. You have good titles. You have good covers. You have a good series <laughs> title. Um, where can we find you online? Yeah. So my website is josephinesmithauthor.com. And I'm on Facebook, Josephine Smith Author, Instagram. Um, kind of like, you know, sometimes online, not always online sort of thing, you know, taking little breaks at times. Um, but I do have a newsletter and that's like where I'm, you know, pretty active with my readers. And there's also a um, prequel that folks can read if they want to um, nice. on my uh, website. So you can get like a taste of Simone and, and her antics <laughs> before kind of committing to the first story. And then I guess you sort of looped into my mailing list and get different updates on how the books are going. Might I point out again how perfectly done that is? That is exactly <laughs> what you should be doing. Oh my God. Um, I, I I have not been active in your success at all, but I would like to officially tell you, I'm so proud of you. Like you're just freaking nailing it. You're doing so well. And I'm so appreciative that you said yes to coming on the show and talking about this and you're, you're building say, your career. I mean, yeah. I, you know, we obviously like have not been taught by you or anything like that, but your podcast has been just like such a big part of my writing career and just like knowing that you're there sort of encouraging writers in general. So I view you as like very instrumental in all this. <laughs> Josephine, thank you. Thank you so, so much for being on the show and happy writing to you. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.